0: Limerick today with Joe Nash on live 95. It is time for our virtual Friday morning coffee break and uh, delighted to welcome three good friends of the Limerick uh, today show on the line solicitor Melanie Power, uh, Ray O'Halloran from Limerick City Bills and Michael Gleeson Guidance Counselor at Skull Reach in uh, Limerick all three of you are very very welcome indeed. Um Melanie, what do you reckon about pennies? The massive queues, people there since half seven last night. They had to open early before half ten this morning just because of the sheer numbers.
1: It's crazy altogether, isn't it? I I find it very hard to get my head around that kind of... um, It's an addiction I think, isn't it? People have a um, a, a really intense relationship when it comes to pennies in Ireland, you know, and Definitely, this just shows us that they were having withdrawal symptoms. I mean, what other reason could you see to to tent up outside a shop that's going to be open for the next, it, it, there's, no, there's no shortage inside there. You know, pennies have come out and said, you know, there's no, there's not, not going to be a sale. There's nothing special going to be in there sale that won't be there tomorrow or the next day. Why would you camp out the night before? Why would you bother standing in a queue for a few hours waiting to go in to get your socks? I can't fathom it, to be honest.
0: <laughs> could it be mind-numbing boredom for a lot of people? It seems there are a lot of uh, younger people in the queue.
1: Yeah, it could, could be that. could be the social element as well, that there, it's a bit of crack in the queue as well, but... Obviously, it's very concerning. to hear like that a few listeners have been ringing into you saying that people aren't socially distancing in the queue. I mean, it's making a it farce of the whole lockdown. If if that's how people are going to react, if then um, once the restrictions are being lifted, and we need to be very careful that we don't end up taking a few steps backwards. You know, we'd hate to see that happen because people aren't taking the precautions that are needed, and uh, you know, the basics of t- standing the two meters away from each other. And I was in town yesterday into the bank and. Couldn't. It, it felt like Christmas inside there. There were so many people inside there, and I was. There was there wasn't a lot of people that I saw that were standing apart from each other when they met somebody they knew in the street. It was hugs and <laughs> hugs and God, isn't it great? We're out of it, and um, that kind of an attitude, you know. And so you'd hope that people will start being a little bit more cautious, um,
2: and that we don't end up taking a few steps backwards,
0: you know. Yeah, Michael Gleason, what do you make of it?
2: Well, actually, Joe, having heard Ronan's account this morning on the radio, I actually drove down for curiosity, and his um, description was 100% accurate. The amount of people there queuing up as if they were queuing for the cinema as in normal times, there seemed to be no social distancing, no masks, the amount of people that there were primarily younger women, uh, more so than uh, males were there. Uh, I do think myself it's not, as Melanie said there, the shops are still going to be open in numerous uh, weeks ahead. The clothes are still going to be there. It kind of, in one sense, it brought me back to last March when lockdown came into effect,
3: whereby people started buying excess toilet rolls and excess food in the event that they weren't able to go to the shops. This now is at the fashion
2: level. Uh, for people who seem to have been deprived and have are now getting an opportunity to go back to their addiction shopping.
0: Now, there's a catch-up going on, and we know there's going to be a, a new public um, advertising campaign. But have we missed uh, the boat on masks, Michael? Uh,
2: in my opinion, there's been a lot of confusion, and I think the campaign will will help. From my understanding all transport, uh, public transport, people are expected to wear the masks. And then in large outlets, such as uh, shopping centres, inciting Super Value, etc., any of those shops, we're supposed to be wearing our masks. And uh, it's just that it seems to be only, the message only coming out late now, and there should have been a lot of more clarity around this matter sooner. And uh, from that from that perspective, yeah, there was confusion. But I think it will be cleared up. And it's one thing having a mask, but actually to educate people how to actually wear the mask properly. And there's no point wearing it if it's not going to be effective in the actual uh, in the actual use of it. Yeah. So it's about educating the people how to use it properly uh, and
3: appropriately.
0: Ray O'Halloran, uh, what's your reaction to the massive queues outside Pennies in Limerick?
3: But I can't believe it. There must be something in there that I don't know about. And there's nobody, there's nobody wearing masks. But I can't believe what I just said, that we have to be educated on how to put on a mask. I suppose they'll be educating us how to put on our socks next. It's crazy. Well, I think I think I think
0: the the reason the reason they're they're putting forward is that for the purposes of ensuring that the coronavirus uh, isn't passed by the use of the mask or doesn't get on it, there is quite a specific way uh, that medical professionals, for example, take it off and put it on, and they're trying to get uh, the rest of us to understand the basics of that. We think.
3: that's stupid that we have to be educated on how to put on a mask. My belief is that if they make it mandatory, then the government have to supply everybody with a mask. I think it's down to cost. I've been wearing a mask since the very beginning of this. Uh, I can't see how we have to be educated into how to put on and off a mask.
0: And tell me, Ray, would would you have been someone who, for work reasons in the past in your career, would have worn masks?
3: Well, when I was doing welding... I would have worn a mask, or if I was grinding, I would have worn a mask. Uh, there isn't much in putting on a mask. It's like putting on a pair of glasses. Unless I'm I'm not thinking properly, but I can't see the problem in somebody putting on a
0: mask. And do you feel it should be mandatory?
3: Definitely. This morning a report came out from, from Germany to say that uh, 40% less... Um, passing of this corona if
0: people wear a mask But but the one thing about it Ray and you know this very well is that that sort of message was not clear at all in Ireland over the last 12 or 13 weeks experts continue to, to disagree and indeed some of them still disagree with it
3: Oh yeah well it's like doctors differ and patients die but I really think that it was down to the fact that they weren't able to get the supplies of the masks so they had to say that That's my belief only, and everybody's entitled to their own belief. But I think everybody should be wearing a mask, especially if they're outdoors.
0: Melanie, do you agree with Ray's thinking around masks?
1: No, like I understand where he's coming from that, you know, it should be something that's quite basic, but it's basic for some people, but for other people, it's not. And like I certainly have seen people wearing the mask under their nose, that they're touching the front of the mask. And they're all things that, like, we were, we all had to be thought how to wash our hands at the start of all of this, you know, and a huge amount of us looking at how you're supposed to properly wash our hands realise actually we need to change how we're washing our hands and that's something that we've all been taught to do from the time we're potty trained, you know so like I do think that there is a, a good a good need for educating people on how to use these precautions safely and the correct way, otherwise there's no point in using it. And so, what's the harm in teaching people look, when you're putting on the mask, you don't touch the bit that you're breathing into, you take it off you know' you expose you, you it or you wash it or you do whatever like I, I do think that, that that kind of knowledge isn't within everybody's everybody's own, own, own knowledge themselves you know and Ray is obviously coming from a different place where he's been using a mask in his job at various stages down through the years. But a lot of other people won't be in that same position. And what's the harm in making sure the people are using the equipment and using it right, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, Michael, the one thing is it's been a very good week in a limerick context and nationally when it comes to numbers going down uh, of COVID-19. It does suggest that the massive sacrifices that uh, listeners have made over the last uh, 12 or 13 weeks have had a very positive effect. Um, We haven't seen as many people die. We haven't seen as many people become ill with COVID-19. Our hospitals, locally and nationally, have not been overwhelmed. Um, And even Tony Holland, the Chief Medical Officer, is now saying, well, if we we get another surge, we mightn't have to do quite everything that we did during the last 12 weeks to contain it.
2: Yeah, it's fantastic to hear this positivity uh, because people have been quite down in themselves the past number of months and they have seen their efforts being rewarded with a number of the restrictions being lifted and further restrictions to come. And even personal issues, maybe people getting their hair cut, etc. They look forward to that in a couple of weeks uh, going well the fact of even people queuing outside pennies and seeing the other retail um, outlets being opened is all good for business. And there's a certain sense of normality. And even the fact that, you know, there are gastropubs preparing for opening uh, cafes, bakeries, etc. All of these things, it kind of gives a sense of energy and it's kind of people waking up. We're out of hibernation, but we have to be cautious.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, And look, we we live in hope. I suppose, Ray O'Halloran, you know, as a a businessman yourself, you'll appreciate the pressure that local businesses have been under in businesses around the country and their desire to get open. And obviously, to stay open, they clearly wouldn't want to go in to uh, another lockdown if it could be avoided. Um, It would
3: be a A terrible travesty if they did. Like, I mean, the any anyone that's opening up now, especially with the conditions that are there and the distancing that they have, you know, there's going to be an awful lot of employment as a result of all this. And I wouldn't like to see another another soldier this. I definitely wouldn't.
0: When you consider the levels of unemployment, um, the impact on the economy, the suggestion that if there is another lockdown later in the year, then um, the prospect of recovery in the Irish economy uh, won't happen even in 2021. If if we stay at this point and the virus remains under control, um, then there is a chance of seeing us return to significant growth next year. And we're very conscious of the people who've lost their jobs. Um, obviously most devastatingly those who have lost their lives and uh, their families and people who have been badly affected uh, by COVID-19 um, believe me It's something that you want to avoid getting if you can. Now, speaking of happier times, we were talking throughout the show this morning about uh, the 30th anniversary of Italia 90, June 1990. And Darren has sent us in a great email uh, to today at live95.ie. Joe, I remember Italia 90 as the best summer of my youth. I worked in Frank Hogan's at the time, and I remember you could run down the length of the Dublin Road from the Parkway to Balls Bridge and meet no one when the matches were on. We had great times in the park bar, which was jammed upstairs and downstairs. We were all waiting for one particular match to come on in the park bar when my friend fell over the extension and all the TVs turned off just at the beginning. You can imagine the reaction. I certainly can, Darren. I certainly can. Um, They were great times. They were great. Do you guys remember it? Does it stick in your minds, uh, Melanie?
1: Yeah, definitely. I was I was young enough, I suppose, at the time. I'm not going to say what age I am, but I was definitely a child at that stage. And I remember going into town after the matches, like driving into town, and everybody just going bananas, you know, like the cars on the streets, people running around on the streets, singing, dancing. I can remember looking up at um, a fell on, on a sitting up in the traffic lights a traffic light with baggy cans, and he was shouting I'm the flashing green man like just everyone went (laughs) bulking you know Like just crazy things going on it was just it it, it was unbridled joy I think is the only way to describe it Um, and I think nobody expected that we were going to get there and to do so well and people who were even doubting all the way along like the negative Noras, they all started believing actually we, we could do this you know there actually began to be a bit of a belief we could win the World Cup it was incredible um, but obviously all all dashed fairly really quickly but it's got a great summer though
0: <laughs> a great summer I mean Ray there uh, were wonderful times weren't they and a real boost to the Perfect. whole country at that stage
3: Fantastic because it gave us, uh, we were all united in the one purpose at the same time, and it gave us an uplift, and we needed it. We were after coming out of a recession in the 70s. Interest rates were up 70 to 20 percent at the time. People were really down, and Jack Charlton came in, and we all had a big boost. It was brilliant for the city, it was brilliant for every country, all over the world. We were like a showpiece for the rest of the world, actually, and how great the fans were. and We were all so
0: caught up with it, you know. It was absolutely brilliant now. Brilliant mm. times, yeah. yeah. And, and Michael, uh, uh, the song was, those were the days, my friends, we thought they'd never end. And that was the way <laughs> it was uh, then. And, and the last 13 weeks have taught us about the value of that. And we'll see them again, hopefully.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember that summer very clearly myself because I remember the weather was particularly good. And um, I'm from As those who know me. And at that time, we were doing hey and we'd have the square bales of hay had to be stacked up. And uh, I remember we ensuring at all times at home that, yes, the hay had to be saved, but when it came to the matches, we made sure that the breaks were there, that we could watch the actual matches. And uh, just the whole euphoria and the confidence it brought to the country and the sense of self-belief was great. And it kind of signaled as the starting point, really, of the, uh, the energy and the, and the creativity in the country that it laid its foundation for all the 90s going ahead. Because even after that, we even had it was a sense of change because Mary Robinson, I think, was elected as president, I think, in October that year. So it was a time of great change, but a time of excitement and uh, great euphoria. And you wonder, will we ever reach those peaks again? And hopefully we will.
0: Yeah. Um, now, Gucci have released €550 Euro GA shorts after Fans Go Crazy for Normal People star Paul Meskel. And I think uh, Paul approved of them. He said I think he'd like it if Gucci sent him a pair though, rather than having to pay €550 Euro for their particular version of GA shorts. What do you make of that, Melanie? <laughs> I
3: think
1: Paul Mescal, in a lot of people's eyes, can do no wrong at the moment. Um... It's, it's, it's in incredible. a lot of people's
0: eyes but we certainly saw enough of him anywhere in normal people
1: <laughs> Look, I've even seen he's got a he's chain has an Instagram account with 50,000 followers. Like the chain he wore around his neck has followers on Instagram. People are obsessed with the boy, um, and like when you look when you, when you look down at Bondi Beach when they'd had done those um those shows down there on Christmas Day, and you'd look at all the white Irish lads down there in their j a shorts, and you think, oh God, how unfashionable do they look compared to the the bronzed Australians beside them with their fancy surf shorts on? And now you're thinking, actually, they were just ahead of the kind. They were the, the, the fashionistas.
0: <laughs> Melanie, are you finally saying that Irish men are sexy, huh?
1: Oh, always. <laughs> I never would have said otherwise, Joe.
0: Thanks to Paul Mescal, I have to my favorite. Shop story.
1: local, Joe. That's what they say. Shop <laughs> local. <laughs>
0: My favourite story, though, from Lenny Abrahamson, the director, is he said, you know, Paul was just brilliant, um, great to work with, such a generous guy with all of the other actors, except for the Gaelic football bit that they filmed, where he said he was standing beside me in my ear the whole way going, ah, Jabers, get that fell off, he can't play. Ah, Jay, there's no blooming way. He said he turned into a completely different man when it came to uh, Gaelic football. So there you go. <laughs> Um, And he was a decent one himself. All right, folks. Listen, thank you very much for joining us. Um, Glad you're all safe and well. It's been good to see businesses back up and running since uh, um, Monday in a more significant way. And uh, hopefully we can keep the virus under control and see the reopen. Joe, before you go. Yes, Ray. Yes?
3: Uh, I've just figured out what's happening in pennies. They've got those Gucci shots for 20 quid and you'll have 600 in your pocket. <laughs>
0: that is not true, Ray. That Ray, is not Ray, true. They'll be losing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks to Ray O'Halloran. Thanks to Melanie Power. Thanks to Michael Gleason.
1: Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.